0: You may be seated. Well, thank you, worship band. Good morning again, everybody. How you doing? Good. It is good to see you. If you did not get a sermon outline when you came in, raise your hand because you need one. We'll get one to you and you get a ticket. There's two things today. Anyone need a, an outline? Everybody got an outline today. If you are online, you can get one from the message section of Facebook there. Well, this is good. Ah, Now, I've got to get done on time today. I have to be at the airport at 1 o'clock. Praise God, eh? <laughs> Going out to visit my buddy Chuck in Florida. You know, everybody likes a good story, don't they? I mean, people like a good story. I have a good story for you. Yesterday was the 45th anniversary of the day I met my wife. And we kissed on that day. And it, it wasn't really a date. It was, see, I got your attention, don't I? See, everybody likes a good story. I'm not telling you that story. This morning, we have a good story. A really good story. It's found in Luke chapter 5. You've got it in your notes, verses 17 through 26. And it's one that, that most people are familiar with. But I, I find that a good story is always worth a retell. It's sort of... You know, it's like cheese, it matures, like fine wine. It gets better with age, and you you, you see more into it, it gets a little bit richer. So we're going to look at this passage, and, and one of the reasons I really like this passage is that it makes, it's one of those things that makes you go, hmm. There's a couple of things in this passage of Scripture that challenges our understanding as evangelicals as to what the order of things ought to be. There's a couple things in here that if you're reading it, and if you're reading it critically, which you should be, you, you should come to a place where you're like, that doesn't make any sense. What's that all about, Jesus? So I love this. Now, if, if you're with us for the first time or you've been away for a little while, we're in a series called Walking with Jesus 2021. I like to do these walking with Jesus every so often. And uh, you can go to our website or go to Facebook or or get the app and and pick up any of the previous messages, lakewayonline.org. Now, this message this morning is actually the second part of the message that I started last week about signs, how Jesus uses signs. Signs are kind of, people are interested in signs, aren't they? What's the sign? I, I always think it's funny, all those ads that you get, Facebook, whatever. The whatever they don't want you to know. You know, and it's like, oh yeah, what, what, what's that all about? What's the sign? Now the story that we're looking at this morning is found in three of the four gospel accounts. Now the way I look at this, if God put it in there three times, it's important. Uh, there's something in this that he wants us to get, and we're probably not going to get it first time through. So he put it in there three times. It's like talking to my wife. It always has to be three times before I eventually get what she's saying to me or listen. So three times this is in there, so it's important. So let's pray, and we're going to dive right into this one. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for your holy presence with us this morning. And I thank you for your holy people that you have gathered here and gathered online. Father, open up our hearts and our minds and our spirits to what you would say to us today. Father, I pray for information from this scripture and for transformation in our spirits, that we would be the people that you've called us to be and do the things you've called us to do. Father, empty me of me, take away any any way that I would mess this up, and may your Holy Spirit just speak clearly to all of us. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're reading out of Luke chapter 5, verse 17 through 26, and I'm using the New Living Translation. It says, one day, while Jesus was teaching some Pharisees and teachers of, rel- of religious law were sitting nearby. Now, they're not sitting at his feet. They're not super interested in learning from Jesus. They're watching. And I love what it says here. It says, it seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. Now, in the previous account that we read last week, we're told that the report of Jesus's power spread even faster. He healed a man, told the man, don't tell people, go to the priest, tell the priest. I, I'm not ready for everybody to know, but everybody gets to know. And, um, but he sent them to the priest. So all these people have come from all over the Holy Land and from Jerusalem to hear Jesus. So he's garnered huge attention. His teaching is incredible. His healings, his miracles are incredible. Now, here's the thing. No matter what the evidence, no matter what the sign, no matter how obvious someone, something might be, there are always skeptics. There are always skeptics. I'm a skeptical person. I've got to just tell you the truth. My wife, she accepts things so easily. I'm a skeptic. And, and the thing with skeptics is they typically have made up their mind. They don't need any new information. I already know what I need to know, and the mind is made up. These Pharisees, these teachers the all, they're skeptics. Now, somebody who's not a skeptic, they're in this situation, and their mind's open. They want to know what Jesus has got to say. They want to know what Jesus is going to do. They, they're, they're open to Jesus, but these people are not open to Jesus in this way. They're skeptical. And the weird thing is, all the information's the same, Right? You've got the believer, you've got the person who's open to it, you've got the skeptic, they have the same information, they have the same signs. But one's got a closed mind, and one's got an open mind. And if you've got a closed mind, if you're a skeptic, it doesn't matter about the evidence, you're not going to let it get in the way. It's like flat earth. You know, a lot of people believe in a flat earth. Well, not a lot of people, but some people believe in a flat earth. All the evidence is that it's kind of spherical, you know. We've kind of orbited it. We've done everything. Well, no, if I stand here, I can look around. It's like I'm in a great big saucer. It's flat. Not going to let the evidence get in the way of what I want to believe. And that's what this is really all about. Now, why were they there? Well, they were there to check Jesus out. They were there because Jesus wanted them to be there. That's why he sent this guy in the previous passage of Scripture that we read last week to go to the priest. so like, don't go to the people. Go to the priest. Offer your sacrifice. Tell him that you've been healed. Tell him who healed you. Jesus is very strategic. He wanted these people here. Now, I have a question for you right at the get-go here. Is your mind open to Jesus? Now, we're in church. You've come to a sermon. You've come to listen to me for some strange reason. The the natural answer is yes, right? Oh yeah, my mind's open to Jesus. But before you rush to the answer yes, I want you to really think about that. Is your mind open to Jesus? Not open to the fact of who Jesus is, we're probably all in agreement there. But is your mind open to the power of Jesus in your life? Is your mind open to the possibilities of what Jesus can do in your life and through your life? Or are you a little bit of a skeptic? If a stranger were to follow you around for a day, if you answered, yeah, my mind's open to Jesus. If a stranger followed you around for a day and observed your day, would they come back and say, yeah, that person's definitely open to all the possibilities of Jesus in their life. That person's definitely open to everything that Jesus wants to do in their life and through their lives. Would they say that or would they say, yeah, you know, somewhat. They could, they they read their Bible, they pray. Got that stuff down. But they're not on fire for Jesus. They're not, man, you know, God, I can't wait to see what Jesus is going to do in me and through me and to me today. That's the reason I got out of bed this morning. I want Jesus alive and active in my life. How open is your mind to what Jesus wants to do in your life? This whole account is about how we respond to, to Jesus, there are various people at, at this you 've got the jesus fans they 're all crowded in, and then you 've got these Pharisees and how you respond to Jesus and maybe you 're not skeptical i don 't think there are very many skeptics here, but maybe your life is in, in a great degree it's sort of like well let, let me wait and see. I, mean, I need a bigger sign from Jesus. I need something more from Jesus to live my life fully for Jesus. I, I can't, I'm, I'm okay snacking on Jesus, but I don't want Jesus to be the main diet just yet. I'm a little bit nervous about that. Now, these Pharisees, these teachers of the law, they've had all kinds of signs. You, you, just think about this. Sometimes we don't put the pieces together. Just think about this. So they're sitting there in this house. They're watching Jesus. But 30 years prior to this, down south in Bethlehem, a baby was born. See, things don't happen in a vacuum. And it caused a little bit of a stir, if you read about it. Started off with the priest, Zechariah, in the temple. Gets visited by an angel. An angel tells him his wife's going to have a baby. She's barren, but she's going to have a baby. It's going to be John the Baptist. You will name him John. He will be the forerunner of Jesus. He will prepare the way for the Messiah who is to come. And we know from the scripture that Zechariah told everybody about that. Where did Zechariah work? In the temple. Then Mary gets pregnant. Angel appears. Zechariah and Elizabeth meet Mary. And Mary, they know this is Jesus. This is the chosen one. They talked about it. And then on the night that Jesus was, was born... Shepherds out in the field, the angels appear to them. They, and what do the angels say? There will be a sign. You go on into Bethlehem. There's a sign for you. There's a baby. He is the Messiah. He is the chosen one. He is the one who is going to save people from their sins. They go on into Bethlehem. They see it. And the scripture says they tell everybody about it. Eight days later, Mary and Joseph take Jesus to the temple. To dedicate him to the Lord, as is the tradition. When he's at the temple, there are two people there, Simeon and Anna, who both recognize Jesus as the Messiah. They're in the temple. Do you think they talked about it? I'm sure they did. All these priests, all these religious leaders, 30 years ago, they heard about Jesus. Now, 30 years, that's a long time. Probably not the same people in the temple anymore except for the old guy sometimes information doesn't get passed down things get forgotten however i know what people would have remembered when jesus was about two years old when these dignitaries arrived from out of town and they go to the to the palace to herod and say where's the king of the jews we come to the king of the Jews. We've come, we've bringing gifts to the king of the Jews. And if they forgot that, they definitely will not forget what Herod did. We're going to wipe out all the baby boys two years old and under in Jerusalem and the surrounding area. I'll guarantee you, they remembered that. That's horrible. Now, maybe they thought he got Jesus. They didn't know about Jesus' escape. Oh yeah, he was wiped out. But that was 30-something years ago. But then we know when Jesus was 12 years old, he's in Jerusalem. His parents lose him. Where do they find him? In the temple. He's in the temple talking to the religious leaders. And it says that they were amazed at his understanding and his answers to their questions. I cannot imagine being in the temple, being a teacher of the law, asking a 12-year-old questions. And they're amazed at his answers. Let's see, all of this stuff is happening in their backyard. This doesn't happen in a vacuum. So here we are these years later, 18, 20 years later after that event, and, and they've heard all of the signs. They, they've, people have talked about what's going on. John the Baptist just a couple of months ago has said, this is the Messiah, this is the one. But they're closed to the signs. They're not interested in all the information that says, this man is the Christ. This man is the Messiah. Their minds are closed. You see, signs are only effective if you read them and you heed them. Because you can choose to ignore the signs. I wonder if God's ever given you a sign if he's spoken into your life and, and, and given you clear instruction. Man, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. Well, I'm not sure that's from you, Jesus, because I'm a little bit nervous about doing this and that. Could you send me a bigger sign? It's actually incredible that the Lord chose to come to us in this manner as a baby. And then he waits 30 years To begin his ministry. You ever had to wait on God? It's not easy waiting on God. We waited on God for a long time. For a baby. Praying and praying and praying. And in the end it's kind of like. That ain't going to happen. 30 years. They're waiting on God. God's timing. Is God's timing. We don't have to understand it. We just have to accept it. That's how it is. Now, if all those signs weren't enough, Jesus has been going through the neighborhoods, through the towns, performing all kinds of miracles with all kinds of wonderful teaching. Now, look at this last sentence. I think it's very interesting. And it says, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Now, there's a lot in there and I'm not going to get into it this morning. A couple things. It was the Lord's healing power. That was the Lord God, God the Father. Jesus told his disciples, said, nothing I do, I do in my power. Everything I do, I do in the power of him who sent me. Every word I speak comes from God. You've got to remember that when you're serving God, it doesn't come from you. You do it in the power of the father. And he says, the healing power was strongly with Jesus. Jesus. Now, the Lord is using this event as a strong sign. He wants to demonstrate who Jesus is and emphasize his mission. To me, it's like Luke is saying, man, Jesus was on fire that day. Remember that day in the house? He was on fire that day. He's got the power and he is willing. Says some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up onto the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now, I want to camp on this. I talked about this a few years back. First off, this is all taking place in Capernaum. Just so you know, that's Jesus' hometown. That's where he lives. Now, it's very unlikely that it's at Jesus' house because I don't think Jesus had a house. If you read through the scripture, there's no indication that Jesus ever owned anything. So I think he's just staying with people. I doubt that it was one of the disciples' houses. It was probably somebody a little bit more prominent, a bigger house. Because they want to get, Jesus wants to get as many people in there. So it's hometown. They all know about Jesus. They know about his teaching. They know about his miracles. So you've got locals. You've got outer towners And then these guys get there. And they've carried their friend to Jesus, but they can't get to Jesus. So they carry this guy up the steps on the roof. So here's a a mock-up of, it says, a a reconstruction of a first-century courtyard house in Capernaum. Where's my laser? See the steps? Can you imagine carrying somebody up those steps? On a sleeping mat. I mean, how hard would that be? We did this a few years ago. I'm going to try and do it again this morning. So I got a couple of volunteers. And I need a couple more. Can I have my volunteers come up? John, flip. Hector, how's your back? I don't want anyone with a fragile back. Who else has got, have you got a good back? And I need a paralyzed man. I want a small, light, paralyzed man. Volunteers, before I pick you. I'll count down. Three, two, you know who you are. You may as well get up. Three, two, one. Come on, Benny. <laughs> I saw Emily going, you, you, you. So you're, you're, you're the man on the mat. You get to lie down. You got the easy job. Your guys... Your job is not to kill him or drop him. Now, it says it was a sleeping mat. Now, it wasn't a gurney or a stretcher. How easy would that be? All right. Now, uh, 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 let's take a walk down there. Come on around there and back up here. How hard is this? <laughs> and then up these steps. Could someone go get a step ladder? How's it going in there, Benny? You're paralyzed. You can't move. All right, dump him out. <laughs> That's good. That's good, guys. Thank you very much. Now, how easy, how hard was that? How hard was that? Fine. Now, imagine that you're carrying him up on these narrow steps right here. There's no handrail. Now, just imagine if you're the poor guy in there. You're paralyzed. If they tip you out, you're not stopping yourself with your arms. You're just slam on the concrete down below. Now, I would imagine that they probably went up there and threw some ropes down. They probably rolled him up in the mat or something, tied the ropes around it and pulled him up. But it wouldn't have been easy. These guys are absolute believers. They believe 100% that Jesus can heal their friend. Can you imagine their confidence? We got to get him to Jesus. Jesus is his only hope. They cared about the guy. They're desperate to get the man to Jesus not only do they carry him up onto the roof but they dig a hole through the roof it says through the tiles now, so this is not a straw roof this is a well constructed roof they're up there now they got to get through the roof so somehow they figured out where jesus is because when they drop him down they drop him down right in front of jesus so somebody's looking in over that way a little bit back back yep yep And they start digging through the tile. Now, this is well constructed. Not only that, you damage somebody's house. It's just like today. You're going to jail. You can't just climb on somebody's roof and dig a hole through it. You're going to go to jail. But nothing was going to stop these guys. They were desperate to get their friend to Jesus. Now, let me ask you a question. When was the last time you were that desperate to get someone to Jesus? Nothing going to stop you. No amount of inconvenience, no amount of hard work, no amount of fear, no obstacle is going to stop you. When was the last time you were that desperate to get somebody to Jesus? Now, why did they do it? Oh, sorry, I've been doing this. (laughs) Jesus wanted to get their attention. That's the first one. Is your mind open to Jesus? The Lord was using this event as a sign. Okay, why did they do it? I got to stay on this. First, they believed. They absolutely believed that Jesus could heal their friend. Otherwise, why why are they going through all of this? Jesus wasn't an add-on to their lives. He was core. Second, they cared. This man's well-being wasn't just sort of a passing do-gooder thing for them. Because honestly, if that's all it was, they'd have got to the door like, ah, man, place is full. Well, drop Frank over there. Let's head on out, guys. Let's go to McDonald's. He might come out and see you when they're done. They cared enough. And third, because it was important. There was nothing more important to them. There is nothing more important in life than bringing people to the life changer, to the life giver, Jesus Christ. And their behavior begged a response. So it must have been so weird. I, I just can't imagine being there. You're in this room. It must be hot. It's crowded. You've got the Pharisees are sitting over on the wall because they don't want to be right in front of Jesus. Everybody else is crowding around Jesus, and all of a sudden, stuff starts dropping out of the ceiling. So, what is going on? You, you look up, and a tile gets lifted up, and somebody's face peers down. Oh, we need a couple more, and another one goes up, and then this guy comes down right in front of Jesus. I mean, what would you think? It'd be kind of like, you're the owner of the house. <laughs> Hope you guys are going to fix that. seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. Now this is massive. This is absolutely huge right here. This is what should make you stop and go, hmm, because this messes everything up. This shouldn't be in the Bible It doesn't fit with everything else that we know and we understand as evangelicals. It breaks our understanding of faith and grace from an evangelical point of view. That sentence, by the way, because of their faith, is in all three gospel accounts of this story. How does someone get their sins forgiven through the faith of somebody else? It's not right. It's not right. It goes against everything that we are taught as evangelical Christians. We're taught that you are responsible for your own sins. And that forgiveness of sins come when we personally come to Jesus. We ask Jesus for forgiveness. We believe that he he was raised from the dead. And we ask him to come into our lives. I mean, how many times have you heard me preach that? That's what we're taught, right? There's no other way. This is the way. This passage of Scripture messes everything up. It's like, why? Where's the sinner's prayer? There's no record in this whole account in all three Gospels of the guy on the mat ever saying a word. He's just there. Where's the confession? Where's the, I need you in my life, Jesus? And how can it happen through their faith and not his faith? This is messed up. I got an NIV study Bible. It does an explanation of verse 19 and an explanation of verse 21. I went to Matthew Henry's commentary, one of the most respected commentaries. Talks about verse 19 And verse 21. I couldn't find a commentary. That commented. On verse 20. Here's the reason. It's wrong. It's not supposed to be this way. Doesn't fit with anything we've been taught. Hmm. I love scripture that makes you think. So do you want the explanation? Don't have one. There's no I have no explanation. But I have a statement for you. Right on the bottom of your notes. We must never put Jesus in a box. We must never make Jesus conform to what we understand to be true. We must always conform our understanding to what we see in Jesus, even if it doesn't make sense. If there's a problem between you and God, guess who's wrong? Here's the deal. Jesus can forgive anyone anyone he chooses in any manner that he chooses to forgive them. He doesn't have to conform to what we believe is the right way to do it. And this is not the right way to do it, by the way. Jesus is sovereign. He can harden somebody's heart and he can forgive. He can do whatever he wants. He's not waiting for our permission or our understanding to be God. And I believe sincerely that when we get to heaven... We're going to be in for some surprises. Our perspective of grace and forgiveness of sin is very limited and it's very narrow. And it's not our fault. It's because we're reading the scripture. And it leads us to this narrow perspective. But Jesus consistently through the scripture blows blows that apart. He constantly says, my grace is bigger than you can imagine. My grace is wider than you can imagine. My grace is better than you can imagine. There was a time when when a, a rich man comes up to him. You all know this story. And he says, what do I have to do to get to heaven? And afterwards, the disciples are talking to Jesus. And Jesus said, how hard it is for a rich man to get to heaven. And I love Jesus' answer. He says, with man, this is impossible. But with God. All things are possible. i tell you what, I am looking forward to getting to heaven and I am looking forward to seeing so many people that I'm going to go <laughs> seriously. And it's not because they're bad. You didn't follow the steps. When did you come forward? When did you make Jesus your Lord and Savior? This guy not say a word. I love grace. I'm really depending on it. (laughs) Okay, how am I doing for time? Verse 21. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Clue phone. Clue phone for the Pharisees. There's your sign. Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Now, do you think in your hearts? No, you don't. Basically, what he's saying is, why do you feel this way? It's kind of freaky that he knew what they were thinking. Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? Now, Jesus is making a very, very important point here. He is reminding us that the real issue is, Is not physical healing, but spiritual wholeness. The cause of all of this brokenness, this sin, the the, sorry disease and everything else that we have in this world is sin. And Jesus is dealing with the real issue here. Yeah, the guy is paralyzed. Be nice if he wasn't paralyzed, but one day he's gonna die. It's what happens after that day that matters more than anything that happens here. And Jesus is taking care of that. Your sins are forgiven. They didn't bring him there to get his sins forgiven. They brought him there to be healed. But Jesus healed what was important. He made him whole. And you become whole when you are reunited with your God. God your Father. And it is sin that separates us from God the Father. Let me make sure I'm not leaving you behind here. (laughs) Yes, there we go. Spiritual wholeness is more important than physical healing. We love to pray for healing. We really should be praying for wholeness. Jesus went right to the real issue. He goes on, he says, so I will prove to you. And the Pharisees, now here's something on the Pharisees. They knew. They knew what the issue was. They didn't care about healing. What right does this guy have to forgive sins? They knew what the issue was. That's why Jesus had him there. So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the guy jumps up. I mean, that's not supposed to happen, is it? Aren't you supposed to go to physical therapy first? Stretch those muscles out. You haven't used these muscles maybe ever. I don't know if this guy was paralyzed from birth. He jumps up, picks up his mat. Like, can you imagine his friends on the roof? Yeah! They're up there high five. If they did high-fives. One of them falls through the hole. Oh, need another healing. <laughs> and immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with the great wonder and awe and they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing things today. We've heard amazing things today. You should leave here with a puzzle in your head this morning. What's that forgiveness all about, God? That does not fit my picture. Praise God. All right, I gotta wind this up. Do I have any more blanks? Oh yeah, one. That's the important one. Question for you. If you knew that the healer was coming to town and you'd received the information that this guy is the guy, you've got people that you trust have come to you and they said, no, this is the guy. I've seen him do it. I've heard his teaching. You need to go see this guy. Who would you take to go see him? The healers come into town. Who are you going to take to go see the healer? You know, at the beginning of the year, I put a little bridge on here. We've had a last year and a half has been so fractured. It's good to see some faces back again. But it's been so fractured, hasn't it? Politically, the country was divided, still is to a certain degree. Emotionally, physically, with COVID. And at the beginning of the year, we talked about building bridges. And it might not seem like it, but everything that we've done has been intentional about building bridges. And I started thinking, it's so good to see some people that come this morning. I started thinking about all those people that used to be here on a regular basis. Before COVID. That we haven't seen in such a long time. And you know Max. I'm going to call you out Max. But I love what Max said to me just now. He said it gets easy. You know you're home. I can have my coffee. Sit in bed. And I can still go to church. We'll just click. Oh there's a click Way. There's nothing wrong with that. But Jesus wants more for you. This is the body of Christ. So I want you to think about some of those people that you know that used to be in these seats, that have just got in the habit. You know, some people are still nervous. I understand that. Nothing wrong with that. But there are a lot of people that, that you know, we, we should get back. Lynn was just sharing with Can I share, Lynn? Lynn was just sharing with me. There was a time when. They were here in the colony, first came to the colony, and they went to a church, and they were still looking for a church. And, and he, he said, we never missed a day of church. And then we got to this point where we were looking for a church, he said, and I realized all of a sudden we hadn't been for a year. Because we were looking. I want you to think about those people that you know, that used to sit in these seats around here. We got lots of new faces, I love that. Some of you people that came back to are looking around thinking, who are these people? God has been good. Who do you know that you need to build a bridge to? You know, when you pick up that, here, can I get two people back up here just for a second? Yep. It's one at one end, one at the other end, and just hold that thing up. It's a bridge. It's a bridge, right? This guy's sleeping Matt, was a bridge. It was a bridge to Jesus. You can put it down. Thank you, guys. I just like bossing people around. <laughs> and every single one of us knows somebody who doesn't know. Every single one of us, right? How desperate are you? We talked about this Started a year and a half ago. Who's your one? Are you as desperate as those guys were? You know what? We're only here for one reason. To bring glory to God. How do we bring glory to God? By bringing people to God. Jesus cares. The reason that he healed this man because of their faith is because he cares about this man. He doesn't care about jumping through the hoops, doing it the right way, doing it the wrong way. You bring this person to me. What did he say in the passage before? I am willing. Last week's message. So I want you to write a name in there. Who is your one? That Jesus says, I want you to build a bridge. Who's he brought into your life and given you a little bit of leverage in that person's life? Now, I don't, you know, I'm not a big fan of people that want to browbeat people into the kingdom. You know, Jesus, you're going to hell, you know. The scripture says you need to earn the right to speak the truth into people's lives. And you need to do it with gentleness and respect. But there needs to be an intentionality and an urgency about it as well. Who is your one? I want you to pray about that. And I want you to put a name in there and I want you to begin praying about that person. God, how do I get them to you? What doors need to be opened for me to bring this person to you? Help me. Now we want to make it easy for you. That's why we do events. We got one coming up, vacation Bible school. These are the most important group that we can reach right now is our children. Because I tell you what, the world is going to try and steal our children away. They, you, the world they're growing up in is vastly different than the world we grew up in. We grew up where you could say prayers, where you could, you could say the word Jesus. They're growing up in a world where you're not allowed to do any of that stuff. You go to school, you can't be taught about Jesus. You can be taught about everything against Jesus, but you can't be taught about Jesus. So if we don't get them here, if we don't instill good roots, solid roots in them here, it's not going to happen out there. And that's what Vacation Bible School is all about. That's why I gave each and every one of you a little railway ticket. Did everyone get one? If you didn't get one, I want you to raise your hands because I want to give you one. You sure? One back there. We need one back there. Thank you. And there's a little QR code on this. If you've got friends that have got kids, they can scan that QR code. It takes them right to our website and they can register for Vacation Bible School. We have people sitting here this morning. Where are you? I saw them sitting here this morning. Oh, they've gone over to youth. Yes. Courtney and Brandon. 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 Came... First time I ever saw them, Vacation Bible School, two years ago. Bought their kids to Vacation Bible School. Now they're leading our youth. You can fish with a big net when you bring kids in. I want you to pray over this. I want every single person here. What if every one of us invited somebody to Vacation Bible School? It's so easy, isn't it? That's so much easier than, oh, I've got to develop a relationship. I've got to do this. Hey, we're having vacation Bible school at our church. How'd you like to have the kids out of your hair for a whole week in July? Free! Click! We have to fight for the spiritual well being of our kids, just like these guys fought for this man. We have to fight for them. So I'm going to ask you, number one, pray for Vacation Bible School. Number two, you can help. We still need some supplies. I think there's a a list out there. I'm not sure. Libby, are you? No, she's teaching kids. But we'll get it to you. Invite someone and come and be part of it. We've got pretty much all of our volunteers filled. We've got two or three spots more. But just come and be part of it. Even if you hang out. Kids have fun in here. We have a great time. It's loud. I love it. And then the other thing you can do, men, Promise Keepers coming up. We've got a number of tickets. We bought them last year. It's 100 bucks to go to Promise Keepers. We're selling those at half price. And Hector, can I say this? I'm, I'm just going to say this. If you've got a friend, we'll send them for free. Make a donation, whatever you can do. But it's an easy way to reach out into people's lives. Hector's looking, no, I don't know about that. (laughs) Yeah. Who is your one? Amen. All right. I got to get out of here. As you leave, please be faithful with your offering. We have a bucket over there. We're going to start doing the thing again soon. We've got coffee going. We're getting more COVID friendly. Is that a right word? You can give online. You can mail your offering in. Thank you for being faithful. I ask you to continue to be faithful. God has been good. And uh, you have been good and obedient. So I ask that you would continue that. I'm going to end this. Please stand because I got to get out of here. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks. I thank you for this wonderful account of this man and, and these four friends who brought him to Jesus. And I thank you, Father, for the way that you confound our understanding of grace and mercy. You don't fit in the box we want to put you in. And I thank you for that. Father, I pray that you would touch each and every one of our hearts, that we would care for those people that you bring into our lives the same way that these men cared for this fellow. Father, that we would be desperate to bring people to you because we believe that you make a difference, that you change lives, that you change eternities. And may all glory and praise be given to you. Father, give us the confidence. Give us the heart and the passion to be the people you've called us to be and do the things you've called us to do. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. We're going to finish up Luke chapter 5 next week. I'm gone until Wednesday. Don't phone me. (laughs) We'll see you next week. Thank you all for coming.